and uh, then we'll have that as a backup and we won't have a video recording if there's no video recording but uh, I have a feeling it's not recording because uh, I'm not seeing that recording button like I have in the past so I don't know what to do about it whoa Lawrence you are unmuted oh sorry yeah so that just it's amazing how much noise it makes when we're unmuted and we just move around. Like um, uh, I, was, I was saying before, like here. You know, so I was on a call with somebody the other day and they were doing stuff like that <laughs> during our call. So, um, yeah, so you have those two choices, gallery view or speaker view and it's just your preference you can switch back and forth try them both out and um like i've been saying in the uh, we've we did an ascension pathway in a year two class and uh as i've been sharing the um the experiences it's it's a little bit disorienting or distracting at first but i think we'll get used to it and um i mean to me it's so nice even just to see like linda's photograph there you know it's really nice and so you, you each have uh, <clears throat> make your own account and then you can upload a photograph so that you know we, we at least see you and know whose icon that is there so you can do that as well but I, I just think it's so wonderful to be sitting in a virtual circle together and um, for me personally I, I like the gallery view so, um, yeah. And is that option available anywhere on the on your iPhone? I don't know. Because I don't see any view changes. All I have right now is whoever's speaking, and then I have my own um, myself in the corner, down in the corner. Yeah, I um, I would Maybe try swiping. Well, that's a good idea. Swiping? Try swiping the screen. Left to right or right to left. That's how I'm getting more than four. That's how I'm seeing everyone else, but I can't find a button with gallery view or options like that on it. Yeah. So you might try that, Julie. Yep, that works. You're brilliant. Thank you. Myra <laughs> is a technical genius. I guess. <laughs> All right. Well, let's pray in. And I just, I want to say too, I really appreciate your willingness to try this. And I appreciate your um, patience with the technology. And... Uh, my sense is that this is uh, really going to increase our intimacy and our transparency, and uh, which will be healing for all of us. So let's take that breath of love and gratitude together. So grateful and so thankful that love is all that there is. Love is all that we are. It's our true identity. It's our very nature, the essence of our being is perfect love. So grateful to come together to remember our true identity and surrender any attachment and 
any identification with a false self. We're letting the false, the fake, the unreal dissolve and resolve permanently back to the root cause so that we never experience it again. We are joining together in this virtual circle for the purpose of our awakening, for the purpose of our becoming fully expressed as our true selves. In grace and gratitude, we share the benefits with everyone. We let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 Yes. So we're continuing on with the manual for teachers and the characteristics of God's teachers. So if you've been listening to the year one class, we've been talking about them more specifically in terms of relationship. And in this class, talking about these really embodying these characteristics of God uh, in, in terms of our whole life and living the love and walking the talk. And um, so we got up to joy, which is the fifth one. And now we're at the sixth one, which is defenselessness. And, uh, you know, in, in my defenselessness, my safety lies. And I think sometimes there's a tendency that we hear things so many times that we don't actually think about them anymore. And I know that was definitely the case for me that, uh, and you've, I know you've heard me talk about it, where I was so familiar with the law of cause and effect and that I had even been teaching it uh, but yet, on a very deep level, I was not considering it. I was not really living it. I was really not applying it in my life. And so I would hear, let's say, a spiritual teacher talking about the law of cause and effect. And my mind, my ego personality mind, would say, I know that, I know that, and my I know that was really just a way of kind of pushing it away and saying, I don't have to think about that because I know that already. I don't have to consider that. There's nothing new for me to learn because I know that already, and that's pure ego, and um, fortunately for me, because I kept praying and praying and praying, I had an experience with Venerable in her presence where I had a, a, a really uh, visceral experience where I had this head-to-toe kind of a wiping experience where I realized I am not living as though I understand the law of cause and effect because I'm still complaining, I'm still judging, I'm still attacking, I, I'm still uh, gossiping. I'm still all these things. If I wouldn't do them, if I knew the law of cause and effect actually worked all the time, I would never blame anyone for how I feel if I actually believed what I teach about the law of cause and effect. And so that was just such a wonderful wake-up call for me and I made the decision 
I'm going to live as though I really believe it. And that was a turning point in my life. And so defenselessness, defenselessness, in my defenselessness, my safety lies. And defenselessness as a characteristic of a teacher of God. So what do we know about that so far? What, what do we understand about that? How do we apply that teaching of in my defenselessness, my safety lies? How do we apply that on a day-to-day -day basis? Any ideas? In, in my experience, if um, somebody is um, attacking and the other person tries to defend themselves, it just makes things worse. So really, if you don't say anything in your defense, the truth comes out. Do you have an example of that? Well, yeah, because um, last year, the end of the year, um, somebody was slandering me on Facebook mm. and um, just saying some things about um, me stealing uh, clients' files and stuff from the holistic health clinic that I used to work at, which was complete baloney. There was no reason for me to do that. And when it first happened, I was so shocked that I was like trying to have a conversation with these people and um, it just seemed to be getting worse and worse and escalating and escalating. And I, I did that for probably four or five hours. Back and forth, we were texting each other and stuff. And um, finally, I just said, look, if you want to serve me legal papers, go right ahead. My conscience is clear. And I just, um, I blocked them from my Facebook and uh, didn't do anything else after that. And um, it just went away. And anybody that saw it, that contacted me, said, I read this and I thought, this can't be true. This is not the person that I know. So um, I was actually more at peace when I just decided to step away from it. Yeah. That's a great example. And how did you feel during the whole experience? Did you have a, a progression of feelings? And can you tell us a little bit about your emotional journey with that? Oh, yeah. Um, well, when it first happened, I was so incredibly shocked um, because 
I had thought these people were friends of mine. Mm. And um, it happened to occur like an hour or so before I was supposed to have a client coming to my home. Mm. And I, um, I just, I was in disbelief and I was, um, like my mind was just racing. Like so many crazy thoughts going through my head about, well, I can't believe this is happening. What's wrong with these people? They must be crazy. And, um, you know, why would they say that about me? Why would they even think that about me? And, you know, why would they think that I would do anything to, um, to disrupt their uh, businesses? And, you know, why are they trying to say these things that are obviously not true about me? And um, I reached out to several of my prayer partners. Joe may remember this. I just texted a whole bunch of them and said, you know, please pray for me because this just happened and I have a client coming in less than an hour and I'm just feeling really not at peace right now. And um, I was able to calm myself um, through their prayers and my own and um, had a wonderful session with my client, but the uh, one gentleman contacted me a couple more times and was um, adamant in uh, some of the things that he was saying and that he was, you know, they were going to be serving me legal papers. And, you know, I, like I said, I tried to have a uh, rational conversation with him, but um, you know, his mind was set, and there was no way that I was going to change his mind. The only mind that I could change was my own. Um, and it was right around Christmas time, too, so there was, you know, all the Christmas stuff going on. And so I was, I think I was at my mother's wrapping gift, and I just said, you know, I just can't even deal with this anymore. Um, so, um you know, I said my piece, I wish you no ill will, I wish the other party no ill will, you know, I hope that you will take those um, nasty things that you said about me on your Facebook page down, but if you don't, that's okay too, and, you know, God bless you, Merry Christmas, have a nice day, and <laughs> and that was the last of it, so, um, yeah, I, I was, I was very upset at first, but I... Um, slowly was able to see that, you know, two egos speaking to each other is not a good conversation. It's such a good example, Linda. It really is. Yeah, it was intense at the time. I'm, I'm glad it was a great lesson for me. And for us. At what point did you feel peaceful about it? Um, I, I think when I told him that, you know, I've said everything that I feel I have to say and, um, you know, I don't wish anybody any ill will. I hope you all 
do well, but I'm I'm done dealing with this. And if you need to serve me papers, serve me papers. And it was like, you know, that last conversation that I had with him, I really basically just said, you know, God bless you, and uh, I'm going on my merry way. I hope you go on your merry way, and if you feel you need to um, pursue this in a legal uh, way, then so be it. I feel completely at peace with my, uh, in my conscience about, you know, everything that I did while I was there, and I, I, you know, I really felt peace even before I went to bed that night, um, after having that last conversation with him. It was when I made up my mind that I wasn't going to engage with my ego anymore. Yeah, that defenselessness is really when we see no need to defend ourselves. Right. There's just no need to defend ourselves. It wasn't doing any good anyways. <laughs> it wasn't changing the situation at all. Right. And it's the same as uh, like lesson 135, if I defend myself, then I'm attacked. So until right. I start start defending myself, I'm not being attacked. But as soon as I start defending myself, I've made the attack real. And that's why I'm defending myself. And um, we make the attacks real actually because we are attacking or we'd we'd like to attack and so we make the other person's attack real so that now we have justification for our attack that's one of the things the course talks about who has the kitty that would be me sorry yeah, that's okay no i just i thought so I, uh, sounded like a familiar kitty cat. <laughs> um, anybody else have anything to say about defenselessness? God's teachers have learned how to be simple. They have no dreams that need defense against the truth. They do not try to make themselves. Such an interesting line. They do not try to make themselves. So we're not trying to uh, make up some story about ourselves that then we have to defend. Their joy comes from their understanding who created them. And does what God created need defense? No one can become an advanced teacher of God until he fully understands that defenses are but foolish guardians of mad illusions. The more grotesque the dream, the fiercer and more powerful its defenses seem to be. Yet, when the teacher of God finally agrees to look past them, he finds that nothing was there. Slowly, at first, he lets himself be undeceived. 
but he learns faster as his trust increases. It is not danger that comes when defenses are laid down. It is safety. It is peace. It is joy. And it is God. I'm curious, do, do you have, uh, some people find themselves defending themselves a lot, a lot. Uh, I, in my younger years, I had a tactic where when, instead of defending myself, well, I had two tactics. One was to go on the offense. So... It's like, okay, we'll talk about me in a minute, but let's talk about you first. That was my, my, uh, go on the, make the other person go on the defense. So then I don't have to. And, um, another way, way was to just say, okay, but what about them? Look what they did, which is a, just another way of, uh, deflecting it, um, does anybody find, as you're thinking about it, do you find that you are defending yourself in your life? Uh, definitely. This is Julie. <laughs> yeah? How, how are you? Um, how does that happen? My job kind of you know the last 25 years consisted of that as a you know engineer you're always defending your ideas and your you know what you did and it was always um you know confrontational and and that was part of the job and um you were kind of rated on how well you were able to defend your ideas and so forth and i don't know it's kind of it's this is such a you know opposite idea of the world <laughs> that you know there's a part of me that still feels like a doormat you know or if I just let somebody it feels that that sorry I got a phone call in the middle of that um, it feels you know it's it almost seems like my whole life I've been learning how to fight and defend myself. That's how I took care of myself, and that's uh, part of self-love and, you know, all the things that the world makes of it. And then this idea came along and sort of um, took away that um, that pride in that ability to defend myself almost. I don't know. It's just a, like everything else, I think, that the Course has done is kind of tips the world's views upside down and gives us another way to look at them indeed well and, and in that work experience i i could i can understand what you're talking about in terms of defending your ideas uh isn't it also more you're explaining them you're um Because were people really attacking you or just questioning you? I guess it's questioning, but, you know, um, 
it feels like a, like attack and defense, and it, that felt very normal and um, just part of the culture, just totally part of the culture. And, you know, we actually were proud of it, you know, proud of our ability to be tough and, you know, nasty to each other and confrontational. <laughs> it seems so weird now, you know, like being away from there, like back into the real world. <laughs> totally a whole other world and for many many years you know it was my identity and um, I can't imagine well I don't know how I would live in it now I don't know how I if I could live in it in this without being confrontational and defensive that'd be kind of an interesting you know be able to walk into that situation and not be in people's faces and still and see if I could be successful. Mm. Yeah. Especially as a woman. You know, I mean, I don't kind of think if I was, if there was ever another woman on my team. <laughs> the whole career, so. You had to kind of do double duty. Double duty. Defending and attacking. You know, you had to be even tougher, right? And work harder and <laughs> to prove yourself, I guess. It was. Yeah. Mm hmm. Hmm. In my defenselessness, my safety lies. I've definitely had many experiences where I felt attacked and I decided not to defend myself. Um, and it's such a great, actually, you could call it even a strategy in many instances where someone potentially might be angry with you and to be able to uh, just flip it and, and immediately say, I'm taking total responsibility and uh, here's how I feel about it. And... Um, A lot of times we don't even have to apologize. Not that, I mean, apology has its place. Um, but, you know, part of what we do when we apologize sometimes is we're apologizing for upsetting people, but we're not upsetting people. It's the way they're thinking about it that is upsetting to them. But a lot of times people don't realize that and they're not going to realize it in a hurry. So to tell them, look, I didn't upset you. Your thoughts about me upset you. Uh, th that a lot of cases, if we said that to people, that would not be helpful to them. I was talking in Sacred Circle today about an experience I had uh, some years ago uh, that you, you may have heard me talk about before, which is another example of defenselessness. 
Um, and it taught me so much. I'm so grateful for this experience. So um, I, um, uh, it was after my mom had died and she had um, been, uh, she had been gone for a while and my father was dating this woman he really liked and he wanted to introduce her to the family and he invited her over for dinner. And uh, I was making dinner. And um, has anybody heard me tell this story? Um, well, uh, when I, I, I can be, at least in the past, I could be a little bit fussy about entertaining. And uh, sometimes I can be very old-fashioned. Sometimes I'm incredibly modern. And I kind of vacillate and go back and forth in my personality. And so um, I was cooking dinner. And I, I tend to kind of do things a bit formally when there's guests. Where I like to have appetizers in the living room. And, you know, people who like to have cocktails or whatever can have cocktails. And... I, I generally, when I'm cooking dinner in a more formal situation, I prefer not to have people in the kitchen with me. Uh, I'd rather just, like, we're entertaining in the living room, I'm cooking in the kitchen, and there's not entertaining in the kitchen. It's different when it's close friends or it's family, then that's different. But when it's people I don't know, I can sometimes be more formal. And um, this particular day, I had gotten behind, and I was, uh, so my dad's girlfriend arrived, and I hadn't, hadn't even had a shower that day. And I was kind of behind in things, and I was trying to get caught up so I could get the heck out of the kitchen, go quick, take a shower, get dressed for dinner, and come back and be the hostess with the mostess. So I'm trying to cook, and she comes in, and she just starts asking me questions. So she's interviewing me, asking me question after question after question um, while I'm trying to pay attention to what I'm doing and cooking and getting things ready so I can go run, take a shower. And I'm feeling very uncomfortable that she's standing there, you know, asking me all these questions when I, I'm like all grubby, you know, and, and, um, and everybody else was in the living room. But she wanted to be with me. And I, I just was like trying to be really nice to her and, and, and um, get the heck out of there and go take a shower. And then um, I just got a little bit discombobulated. And so I had a class to teach that night. So I got dinner on the table. Everybody's talking. And, um, and I just thought, you know, I'm just going to kind of chill here. Because my work is done. Everybody else can talk during dinner. I'm just going to chill here and then go teach my class. And um, so I was, I was grateful that I wasn't needed to uh, lead the conversation. Anyway, the next... So then I went off and taught my class and everything. And um, the next morning, my dad came to me and he was angry. And he said, you know, I didn't really appreciate what happened last night. You just got so quiet at dinner. You weren't your usual self. You weren't, you know, you weren't fun or anything like that. You were just so quiet at dinner. 
and I really didn't appreciate it. I really expected you to be the entertaining hostess, and that's what, you know, I wanted from you, and you didn't show up, you know, and I, you know, I'm really bothered by it. And uh, what the heck was that about? Why, why were you doing that? And so I, I took a pause, and I didn't defend myself. I just said, you know, Dad, um, I got triggered because, first of all, I'm a very, I can be a private person with people I don't know. I can be a bit shy. And um, she just suddenly wanted to know everything about me. And on a, on a personality level, I just kind of thought, why do you have to know everything about me right now? You know, why can't we get to know each other? And... Um, and I thought, well, she doesn't want to tell, my intuition was saying she doesn't want to talk about me herself. She wants to talk about me because then she doesn't have to reveal anything. And she's feeling uncomfortable. She doesn't want to reveal anything. But I was thinking, I'm trying to cook. I need to concentrate on cooking. And so I got caught in this place of um, feeling uncomfortable and out of sorts. And there, there was no one to help me because everybody else was in the living room. But she and I had set everything up for the entertaining to happen in the living room. But she didn't want to go in the living room. She wanted to pepper me with questions. And I understand all of that, but it just got me off my game. And I just wanted to take a shower and be presentable for your guest. So when I finally got dinner on the table... I just thought, I'm going to just chill out. Now I can just kind of calm down and get ready for my class. And um, I said, and I understand I disappointed you. It wasn't my intention. But let me just say, Dad, if that ever happens again, you know what I would like is if you see that I'm acting in a way that's unusual for me. And it seems like something's bothering me or things aren't quite right with me. Just take me aside and say, honey, are you okay? Something seems off. You don't seem like you're quite yourself. Do you need something? Do you need some support? Can I help you with anything? What can I do? That's what I would prefer. And that's my request from now on. So as the people in Sacred Circle pointed out, I didn't make I didn't make him wrong. And I didn't defend myself. You know, I just said this is what was happening with me and this is what I'd like in the future. And it was a great realization because I until that moment in a certain way I didn't even realize that I could just ask for that. Like, hey, instead of attacking me, just see, am I okay? Maybe I need help. And I've been able to teach that in so many situations and circumstances, and I'm so grateful for the experience. But it did require my willingness to not defend myself. And there's a difference between explaining what was going on and defending So how do we know the difference between explaining and defending?
Anybody? How do you know the difference between explaining and defending? Because it's important for us to understand the distinction so we can recognize it when it's happening. Well, I know when I'm on the defense, I'm, I feel angry or I feel it's, I'm more emotional about it. If I'm just explaining something, it's kind of emotion-free. You know, it doesn't have any um, trigger to it. Yeah, well said, yeah. Does anybody else have that kind of experience, maybe in your workplace, maybe with friends or with family, where, like, what happened with my dad, that um, somebody comes after you, they're disappointed, maybe, in something that you did, and um, they attack you for it? Does anybody have that? I thought of an example. Lana. Okay. I was um, with my sisters this weekend with my mom. It was a, about a six-hour drive, so she lives away. And, um, and I've noticed this a lot where it happens even with my husband, but it was happening with my mom, where she was talking to someone else. She was talking to my sister about me. Um, doing it in a way like, can you believe this kind of thing? Because um, my mother had closed her thumb in a drawer, and she had a bruise on it, on her nail. Mm-hmm. And my sister said, oh, what happened to your nail? And she told her what happened. And then she was like, well, let me tell you what your sister said to me. She told me not to focus on the pain. So I guess I must have called her. I don't even remember what happened. But I was trying to tell her, put your attention somewhere else. The more you put your attention on the pain, it's going to make it worse. And so I guess to my mom, that sounded like nonsense. And so it sounded like she was telling my sister, oh, can you believe what your sister said to me? Like, uh, don't think about it, you know. <laughs> and and so I got really upset. I was angry. I was mad. And even in a mad voice, I said I don't remember what I said, but I was justifying or explaining what I said. And then she could tell I was upset. My sister could tell I was upset. And we, just like we normally do, we don't discuss it. We just kind of go off to something else. And then later she she said, I, I didn't mean to make you upset. And I, uh, I was walking by and she was sitting down. And so I reached for her hand and I just said, um... I just, I said, I've just been feeling misunderstood. And I said, I feel like, I I just felt like my, um, I did not have bad intentions. And I just felt misunderstood. And I said, I'm sorry too, because she, you know, she was apologizing too. But that is a pattern where I do feel like, I guess I feel like my husband will do it with me, about me to my son or to someone else. And he'll do the same thing, talk about me to someone else. And always uh, in a way that makes you feel like you, your intentions, you were misunderstood and your intentions were were not um, positive.
I can't tell. Are you still speaking, Lana? No. Oh, okay. Uh, it yeah. sounded for a second like you dropped off. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really feel, feel what you're talking about in that pattern. Anybody else have anything like that? Now you can raise your hand like this. Yeah, so when your mom said, I, I think this is a really good example too, Lana. So when your mom said, can you believe what your sister said? What do you think she really meant? Now, what do you think she really meant? I think she just, I think she's kind of, maybe she's, uh, maybe it's awkward for her. She doesn't, I mean, she's at home a lot, and I think she's just awkward maybe in expressing herself at times. Mm. But I think she did it to get a laugh. That's what I felt, too. What that was my what my intuition was was that she did it to get a laugh, like, you know. Mm hmm. Yeah. She had a tiny mad idea, and we forgot to laugh. But, it, you know, in that case where you got triggered and you were defending yourself or feeling a need to defend yourself, it's a good indication that you're projecting that, that feeling of being misunderstood. You know, that it's happening, uh, it's happening quite a bit for you that you reacted. Yeah, so you're saying because it was a re it's uh, been a repeated pattern that um, there's some hurt there. Yes. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Some wound that needs to um, something that needs to be expressed. Yes. Yep. Okay. That yeah. That there's a belief there that. Um, so it, in a sense, it's a, kind of a, a really helpful example of this pattern that you, you've all probably heard me talk about in terms of anger. So um, anger is like the expression on the surface. And so uh, you've heard me talk about anger being uh, a symptom uh, like a cough mm -hmm. is a symptom of an irritant or a sneeze is a symptom of an irritant but it's not the the sneeze and the cough are not the cause the irritant is the real issue so if we're just medicating the sneezing or the coughing we're not dealing with the actual underlying issue so anger is not the underlying issue Anger is like the sneeze or the cough. It's an expression. It's a symptom of the underlying cause. 
and so in my experience, my understanding, my awareness, anger is that symptom that's on the surface and then the layer below that is fear. So we're angry because we're afraid of uh, having, we're afraid actually that we're going to get hurt or something hurtful is happening. And that the fear of being hurt is really an old wound that it feels like it's getting poked again, but it's never healed in the past. So it's still a, an open sore, open wound. And we're afraid of the open wound getting poked and being hurt in a way similar to the way we've been hurt in the past. And so the anger is the, it's the defense. It's the, it's the thing that's like pushing away and saying, no, no, I can't be hurt like that again. I'm not going to tolerate that again. Um, so it's a protective device, that anger. Uh, and so it's, I, I, for me, it's very helpful to understand that that anger's on the surface, the fear is the next layer, and the hurt is the layer below that. So uh, the defense, defensiveness is, it's a, it's a fear-based um, behavior or mental pattern uh, that has fear underneath it too. And, and, and wounding underneath it. So in this case, you, what you're telling us is that this is a familiar pattern for you where you feel misunderstood and yes. you move to defend yourself. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Uh, oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know, a lot of what you've told us, Lana, is you you seem to be a little bit different from the rest of your family, which I can certainly relate to, for sure. Probably a lot of us can. Anybody else feel that, like, you, you're, you're, yeah, you're in a different tribe than the one you, yeah. And uh, it's just very common, you know, we're, we are grateful to have the human birth experience, but uh, some of us are, or many of us are born into families that there's an incongruency. Um, of course, all things work together for good. There are no exceptions, but still, um, there are, um, it triggers our stuff, which is, of course, a benefit to us. So, um, being able to recognize that in our defenselessness, our safety lies. That if we get triggered into the pattern that has hurt at the core, if we can learn to not defend ourselves or, or just to not actually, um, to begin to not articulate the defense and then and remind ourselves that nothing real can be threatened. But the minute we start to defend ourselves, then the attack really begins. In our mind, the attack becomes real 
the minute we start defending ourselves. And um, that experience with my father was really a life changer for me uh, because I, I really got, I, there's no value to me defending myself. And I'm not going to have the life I want if I'm defending myself. And, but I could only do that from the position of strength. Where did the position of strength come from? It came from being loving and having compassion for my father and myself. Not judging either of us. And so that's where my strength came from. And because I had the strength of my loving heart, I, I didn't need to get a false strength from defending myself. And I could just accept what, what, what was in that moment, which was that we both had emotional experiences and we love each other and the main thing is to support each other. And, um, and so for me to even support my father when he's not being supportive of me. And that's very different than just taking somebody's stuff. That's very different from that. Because I'm, I'm not interested in taking anybody's crap. That is not my way. But having compassion for someone whose stuff is up who seems to be giving me crap about it to be able to go, honey, are you okay? What you're all of a sudden now you're attacking me. Are you okay? To look beyond the attack to what's to look beyond the sneezing and the coughing to what's happening underneath. And I gave the example of, um, Jim, when I was there in Chicago, you might remember this that there was, uh, I was doing the workshop and there was a woman there who had said that, she asked me, what would you do in this situation? And I, um, I was picking up my older child after school and I had the younger child in the car and the older child got in the car and the first thing they said was something nasty about their brother. And what would you have done in that case? You know, how do I practice non-judgment in that case? And I said, well, to recognize that the older child, if they get in the car and they immediately start attacking their sibling, then something's not okay with them. You know, and to go right to, oh, honey, you just got in the car and um, clearly something's going on or you wouldn't be attacking your brother. What What's going on? Should we pull over and talk about that? Or, you know, just whatever you intuitively feel in the moment. I said, but just to address, they must not be in their right mind. Something is happening there. They're feeling hurt or they wouldn't be attacking. They're, they're feeling um, unloving. Something's gotten triggered. And so when, whenever anybody is angry or attacking, to really be able to, even if you don't even know them, to just be able to kind of go, oh, honey, are you okay? What's what's going on there and not to um, definitely not to take it personally um, but to take it as a cry for love and um, and then in that our safety lies because 
our strength is in our being loving. And when I said that in that workshop, um, I just saw the woman, her whole face like, wow, that never would have occurred to me. That's really helpful. And um, because we, we live in a world where we've all been taught if somebody does something unkind or threatening to, you know, get mad, get upset, to defend, to attack, and, um, and then it's like an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth leaves the whole world blind. And nobody's learning anything that way. So, Lana, how can you, if you're feeling that rising up of wanting to defend yourself, what what is the, we'll call it a strategy, what is the strategy you can have to stay in defenselessness or to um, move back into defenselessness? Do you have a sense of it? Well, I usually will try to do a whole Ho'oponopono prayer or sometimes I'll just say, Holy Spirit, help me. You know, in my mind, I'll do that. Um, I think with my husband, I think I would like to try what you said. If Just ask him um, if he's, you know, if everything's okay. What is he really afraid of or what is he really worried about or concerned about? Yeah, you know, and it's um, it's it's very it's um, it's important to be very clear where we're coming from, so that uh, we're not making them wrong. I mean, and that was key with my father. I did not make him wrong. Yeah, I had c compassion for that because. I've done exactly what he's done, what he did. I've done that. So it's it's having compassion for the one who doesn't have compassion in the moment so that they can come back into their loving heart. Um, there's a song uh, we sing at Agape sometimes, and it goes, I love myself so much that I can love you so much. That you can love you so much that you can start loving me. And um, it's that I love myself so much that I can love you so much that you can love you so much that you can start loving me. And so being able to take that breath, not take it personally, and not just be a doormat. And that's the thing about love is... When we're really being loving, there's no doormat. There's no victim. There's only the strength of love. And so we have to actually go into our loving heart. We have to actually move, flip the switch to where we feel loving. And it's not just lip service. Um, to be able to uh, have compassion. And so... I could see where you could, it, it, it's, and that's where words can be so um, critical 
and uh, and that's why I can also see where a lot of people kind of don't know what to do and will kind of do nothing and just accept it or tolerate it because um, there's a feeling of overwhelm. Buttons are getting pushed, getting triggered. You'd like to take the high road, and it just seems like the best thing to do in the moment is to do nothing. Because if I say anything, it won't be right. So really saying to the Holy Spirit, help me find the words to say whatever needs to be said to move this to the highest light, the most okay. loving possibility. And help me is fine. You know, help me is fine. Okay. Because in that help me is everything that we just said. But, you know, sometimes, it, it, you know, it's so tricky because sometimes it can be really helpful to say, ow, I feel like you're attacking me. So that could only happen because maybe you got triggered in something and is it something you'd like my help with? But it, it can be so tricky. We have to be in the moment. There's no way to have a formula about it because... Okay. Um, there are times if we're saying, you know, would you like my help with it? Somebody might completely construe that as total arrogance. Like, oh, you're going to help me now because I need your help. Um, for me, uh, you know, if you, if you think about when we've talked before about the five languages of love, um, one of the five, so the five love languages, according to whoever it is who wrote that book, the five love languages are um, uh, acts of service, uh, words of praise, spending time together, touch, and gifts. Five ways that generally people feel love is being expressed. And the some of the biggest challenges I see in uh, relationships is people have different love languages and they make the assumption that everybody has the same love language. And um, like I, I had a boyfriend uh, for a long time and he, um, he liked to buy me gifts, but that's, that's not my love language. So it's like, okay, that's great. But you know, I just, gifts are not my thing. And so he could tell that I wasn't like, oh my God, you got me a gift, you know? And um, this is a while ago, but I learned, I had to go, oh my God, you got me a gift. Because otherwise he didn't feel like he had conveyed his love for me. And so, whereas for me, the number one love language is acts of service. So that's why I said to my father, if he had said to me, can I help you? 
that would have been a great expression of love for me. I would have felt his love for me. So it's, I think it's helpful to also know uh, what the love languages are. So for you, Lana, with your husband, do you know what his primary love languages are? Uh, it's the same as mine, words of affirmation. Ah, that's mm -hmm. great. That's great. So if he were attacking you and you were starting to feel defensive, how could you use words of affirmation to let him know he's loved, even though he's attacking you? Well, let him know that I cared about him and, and that um, I care most about his feelings above, you know, whatever it is that we're discussing. Yeah, that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, you know, it could be, honey, I see... Uh, something's really bothering you, and um, and what? Um, and I just want you to know that I love you, and and if there's if there's something you want to talk about, I'm here to listen. And is he able to talk about things easily? Some things, but but uh, probably emotions and feelings, maybe not so much. Vulnerabilities, not so much. How do you think he would feel if you said something like this? If you said, honey, I can see that something's really bothering you, and I just want you to know we're in this together, and I'm here to support you because you're so important to me, so precious to me. You know, find the... The words that would be your words. Right. Cause some, yeah, I'm sure it would. Hmm? Yeah, make a big difference. Yeah, because I know um, uh, with my mom, she had trouble talking about her feelings. And so if I said to her, uh, you know, any kind of request, you know, do you want to talk about it? She'd be like, no. God, no. And that would just, it would actually make her feel pressured to do something she didn't have the ability to do. And then she'd feel like she was letting me down, and now she's even more annoyed. But if I said to her, you know, I could see something's really bothering you, Mom, and I just want you to know, I got your back, I'm here for you. I think that would be plenty for my mom. Yeah. yeah, I agree. And the thing is, too, something like that, interjecting an expression of love, it, it shifts the energy. Mm -hmm. Anybody else have any other thoughts or ideas around this?
Anything else that you'd like to um, share tangentially or question, an example? one question but it's a technical question um what are people doing to like um i'm getting a my battery's low and i need to go get my charger so how do you put yourself like the, stop the stop your video but so, still not get off the phone okay so in the lower left where the mute button is yes to the right of that there's the camera where it says stop video Okay. Yeah, if you click on that, then um, it, it'll, it's like your visual mute button. Okay, so then I can go, I can go get my chargers before yes. my computer. Does. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I was saying that we, the first class we did was an Ascension Pathway, and we had someone, um, as we were just getting started, uh, we had someone that uh, was sitting in front of their computer just like we are and um, their roommate came in and uh, only had his undershorts on and um, so he, he comes in with his underpants and we could only see him from like from here down to his crotch you know through his, his legs so we just get this crotch shot you know of the roommate and uh, coming right up to the camera and and uh, we're getting an even closer look at his crotch and uh, what are you doing you know you're doing some video what's that you know and then it's like ah get out of here you know because um so <laughs> yeah we're we're working out the kinks and, and getting used to uh the visual you know one of the things i think that's interesting is because we're seeing um, Linda's beautiful picture of her beautiful smiling face, it's like no matter what we're saying, Linda's just so happy about it. <laughs> I'm so thrilled. That's <laughs> <laughs> ah, kind of kind of fun and interesting. Yep. That's nice. How, how are you feeling about the video, those of you who are doing it for the first time? Joan? Yeah, I like it. Um, I'm enjoying just seeing everybody. I think it makes it nice. I like it a lot. Oh, good. Yeah. How about you, Julie? Oh, I liking it a lot also um <laughs> my internet's kind of crappy here so i kind of go in and out once in a while but other than that it's it's nice seeing everybody for sure yeah now and you're doing it on your phone right and what made you so, decide to do it on your phone oh uh, i just loaded the app real quick today and got it on you know i just haven't gotten it onto my laptop yet and my laptop is like in a docking station and then I have a monitor. So I'm going to have to, my monitor doesn't have a camera. So I'm going to have to go back and figure that out with the, it won't, it's not that big a deal, but I'll probably next time do the computer. Right. Try right. that. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, Holding the phone's kind of a pain. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine, yeah. And, um, yeah, and then with the laptop, of course, you'll be able to see everybody larger. Yep. How, how, how are you feeling about it, Lana? I was a little nervous about it, but, but uh, I mean, I'm liking it. Um, uh, I guess, yeah, I'll get used to it. Yeah. And Linda, you were in the class last night, so... I remember you said you liked it last night. And then who's this? The 516, is that Carla? Oh. Now they're gone. Oh, I guess they'll dial back in. Well, uh, yeah, oh, I guess we're at time already here. Um, Hmm. So next week we have the uh, Living a Course of Miracles classes are starting, and um, our our theme is time to rise and shine, taking spiritual action. I'm very much looking forward to it. It's a great group of teachers. We've got Alan Cohen and Jimmy Twyman and uh, David Fishman and. Colin Tipping. I love them all, so that's really nice. And uh, we we had some co we've had some conversation in year one class uh, about uh, the election, giving people a chance to to talk about that because uh, I I know it's really up for people and. Um, is anybody feeling really disturbed or are your loved ones feeling really disturbed at all about, um, well, we've got the election, we've got the, the weather, uh, hurricanes and floods and whatnot, and then we have um, terrorism, three things that a lot of people are um, really feeling traumatized by. Anybody um, having some uh, real challenges with any of these issues right now? It's, uh, I'll tell you that with, particularly with the election, it's uh, an extraordinary opportunity to live A Course in Miracles. And yeah, I'm really grateful for our teaching during this election, I have to say. Yeah. Because I think I'd be triggered all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm amazed at how I just feel completely peaceful about it. Mm -hmm. Me too. It's amazing how we can be at such polar opposites, you know, with friends and family on this subject and, and that had no clue up until this, to this election that we were that, you know, that we felt that way. 
I find it's in, it's also a kind of cool that are amazing to be able to kind of just stand back and look at how everybody thinks they're right. And, you know, we're completely at opposite ends of stick here on, you know, a, a situation or a person or whatever. And I think I'm absolutely right. And somebody else who's the opposite of what I'm thinking is absolutely right. You know, it really gives me an idea of we have no clue <laughs> about what is right <laughs> in, in, this, in any situation. So yeah. it's a good lesson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, <clears throat> I had some conversation with friends who were saying if Trump wins, they're moving to Canada. And, uh, and I remember feeling that way in, uh, uh, when um, back in the 90s when uh, George Bush Sr. was running against Bill Clinton. And my feeling at the time was, if, if Bush is reelected, I'm out of here. This is not the country I want to live in. Because uh, I just felt that uh, I, I so didn't like his politics and what he stood for. I thought if the American people could re-elect him, then this was not my country. These were not my people. And um, and I was really concerned that that uh, he could be reelected because I thought that um, Perot might take enough votes uh, away from Clinton that 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 could be the case. And I, I was concerned about it. I was very very happy when Clinton won. And uh, it was funny, that, that night of that election, I was working uh, to count the ballots in Stonington, Maine, where I was living at the time, as we had to count them all by hand, and um, slips of paper. And um, when it was announced that Clinton uh, w- was declared the winner, I, I just went, I was like, and I started dancing around, and I was the only one in the room that did that. And everybody else in the room just looked at me. And I was like, oh, oh, I guess, oh, oh. Well, I'm going to go home and celebrate. <laughs> you know? It was funny to me. Um, but uh, now I know everything works together for good, and that I don't need to uh, be afraid at all. And I'm grateful. And I don't feel afraid because I'm not in judgment. And I'm very grateful for that. Because you know what? It's very easy to judge. In certain situations, it's like shooting fish in a barrel. You know, uh, They're practically begging you to judge them, right? Absolutely. Yep. And it's amazing how much hatred comes up. You know, it's like all forgiveness is self-forgiveness. All love is self-love. All hatred is self-hatred. 
everything it's all projection perception is projection yeah so nobody's getting triggered I was, but I, I, I listened to your year one call, and it was very helpful. Oh, good. And so well, I've been able to uh, just look at it in a different way. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just, I really strongly feel that uh, either way, everything works together for good, and the key is non-judgment. Be the change you'd like to see in the world. And it's an opportunity to practice. So let's not miss the opportunity to practice. Well, I haven't figured, I, I have to figure out how to load in a song and so I can play a song in, the, in, in this platform. So um, I'm going to uh, pray us out. Yeah. So let's take that breath of love and gratitude. So grateful and so thankful for divine love leading us and guiding us. So grateful to partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self and to surrender any need to defend ourselves. Surrendering any idea that we could be attacked. And to remember that nothing is, nothing real can be threatened. We are grateful and thankful to truly be a loving, healing presence in our own life and in the world. In gratitude, we share the benefits of the love and being a loving presence. In gratitude, we let it be, and so it is. Amen. Amen and amen. All right. Well, I love you very much. It's so nice to see all of you. Bye for now. Bye. Bye, Bye everyone. <laughs>